Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today, because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold, but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Run. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart, Brian. Recorded live. Well, welcome to the Wednesday night American Liberties call. It is uh, October the 12th, and again, we have David Merlin on the on the phone, and we, uh, I believe we're going to discuss a little bit more about the South Carolina uh, lawsuit. Last week, I wasn't able to be on talk show because I had a lot of preparation to do for uh, the hurricane, but um, you all had it on uh, Dave's uh, channel, which I did upload that uh, that call to uh, our channel here, which anybody that wants to go listen to it, you're welcome to it, download it and share it, because people need to know that we need to fight back, because when when you have people, regardless if they're government, I don't even care about government. It's the individual. It is the person, whether it be the judge, the prosecutor, the attorney, the defendant's attorney or the plaintiff's attorney, whichever side you're on. If if they don't answer specifically the questions and, and uh, or give their interpretation then they're hiding something. They, they'll they try to change the subject. I mean, I got to check on this guy in Boston. I've been meaning to do it a million times, and I haven't done it. And I want to write it down and do it tomorrow. But his own attorney was saying, well, Section 83, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we gave him, we gave him the ammunition to go back to that attorney, and if not, fire him and get somebody else. But, you know... And I understand that a lot of people that are fighting for their lives or they're going to threaten, you know, their wives or their children and all this, you know, it's it's a predicament that people do not want to be in and they don't want to make a decision that's going to harm their loved ones and so forth. And and that's the predicament they, they put you in, no doubt. Um and it's unfortunate that uh, people give in and I say say that I don't know what I would do in that predicament. I certainly w- wouldn't want them to go against my kids, and um, and you know where they have children and everything and broken homes and broken families for what, you know, for a lousy uh, extortion. I mean. You know, it's it's just it's this is what we're faced with today. But you know, t- together we can protect, and we can defend, and we can go after the criminals. But me as an individual is not going to do too much. The plaintiff in South Carolina, as an individual, is not going to do too much. But we together, as a group can become a force. 
because when we start edging towards them pushing back, we're pushing them back. We need help to push them back further. And um, whether it be, you know, filing a, you know, a likewise lawsuit in another uh, district or something like this, we don't want to do this for a living. Honestly, we're not, you know, it's not like we're uh, buying houses and fancy cars and taking trips. That's not the case at all. But we're, you know, but not only are we preventing people from getting arrested, we may be able to prevent people from liens and levies if all of this works out where they, where they admit that Section 83 applies in the way that the courts have stated. and uh, But they don't even recognize their own court decisions. They refuse to, you know, to get into that. And we got to force them. So that's pretty much all I got to say about it, is that we need, and I do have one thing to say, um, which is a lot of people I know are going to be thankful. Oh, my God, I'm so happy. I'm not going to be asked to be an affiliate again anymore on United Games. And that's great news for a lot of people. It's great news for me. I don't want any more affiliates. I got I got enough that uh, that will make a difference. And it would be nice if I had more that are willing to do something but uh, but the ones that I have appear that they want to be doing something, and that's great news. Now I'm looking for players, and players, I don't have to sell them anything. It's totally free, and I'm going to be sending out emails how you can help me or help us get players and how you will benefit from it, even if you don't play sports. I don't I don't watch sports, I don't play sports, I'm too old to play it, but I don't watch it, I don't I don't have anything to do with sports. I don't even have a cell phone where I can play sports on it. But I can make the money and generate money from those who do. And most of the people that don't want to do anything about freedom, don't want to do anything about liberty, the first place you'll find them is either on the couch watching a football game or a basketball game or in a bar drinking and watching a football or a basketball game. And those I'll make money to help fund me to help to help you guys get what you need need to get to, for our liberty. And that's all it's about. It's just helping each other in a way that we can. And 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 if you help me, I will help you to help others, okay? But I just need you to send out the code when it's available that people can just sign up for free, and that's it. Case closed. I'm not trying to say anything or nothing. All I'm asking is for your help just to send that information out. Hey, if you like sports, you'll want to do this. And that's it. Case closed. Case be done. Okay, anyhow, I'd like to introduce my longtime friend and mentor and the guy that helped me get uh, not indicted, uh, that taught me the posture means everything, because if the grand jury can, you know, can indict you, but, but those are people are honest, most of them, I would say, unless they got some plants in there, but it takes a certain number of plants to indict you regardless. 
And the chances of them doing that, is, I would say, is pretty close to nil. But who, who knows? But anyhow, I gave the grand jury the interpretation that Dave Merlin gave me that I <coughs> also became a joinder and sent it, you know, sent it to Congress, and I gave the grand jury the same joinder. And I gave them a list of questions and a complaint that if they didn't answer the questions, don't worry about indicting me. It's a, it's irrelevant. Go after them. Here's my my complaint. Now go and indict them if they don't answer the questions or give the interpretation that I've been requesting. And I and if they give it to you, I promise to pay all taxes, penalties, and interest. Well, guess what, folks? It's been 10 years, and I haven't heard a word from them regarding the grand jury uh, instance. However, I am hearing about them again since I signed up to Social Insecurity, and now now they're bringing on a new thing, not criminal, but civil. And I may have uh, a remedy for that. I just got the QSIP number, and that is for another call, another day. Um, I'm getting with some trust people on that, and uh, you know, break it down where I can understand it because I'm simple-minded. Anyhow, let's bring Dave on the phone. Dave, how you doing tonight? Hey, good. Uh, everybody, Chris was really exaggerating when he said it's been ten years. It won't be ten years until January. <laughs> yeah, what an amazing story. Uh the first one to uh reap the benefits of the criminal complaint I filed with Congress January 1st of 06. Um and one year later, Chris used it with the grand jury and didn't hear from him again. Uh hail to the chief. That's a that's a great victory. And, you know, you take what you can get, but uh, it's hard to get even that when you understand that the easiest thing in law to do is to get an indictment from a grand jury for the tax for a tax crime, and uh, you turn that coin over and it says the hardest thing to do is to prevent it. And uh, that criminal complaint has prevented more than a dozen. So hear ye. My name is David Merlin. Nothing you'll hear is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider it something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. Believe it. Let's add to that that uh, if they can't handle you with the law, they'll handle you without the law. And every judge is as corrupt as the day is long. And the fastest way to prove it is with tax code section 83. You can't have it. They won't talk about it, and there's nothing you can do about it. And so the most you'll get out of a tax controversy is proof that the government can't even explain the law to you that they say explains how to tax your paycheck. After promising with the taxpayer's bill of rights, you're entitled to clear explanation of the laws. And that is somebody who is much harder to indict, is somebody that's actually been around and around with the IRS over the statute that explains whether or not you owe a tax in the first place. Uh, that's 
way better, uh, more efficient, more convincing than Lloyd Long, uh, who had a lengthy correspondence back and forth with the IRS saying, show me the law that requires me to file. Vernice Kuglin, same thing. There's a whole uh, segment of the anti-tax movement that was saying, show me the law, show me the law. There is no law that requires me to file. Show me the law. And the one exception to all that is my camp, Chris and I, we can show you exactly how the law operates. And they can't deny a word of it. This places you on the offense. Hey, IRS agent Breath, you're stealing from me. Oh, you deny it? Well, how does Section 83 operate in your conclusion I owe a tax? It's over. Then they have to go strictly with paper and threats, and they'll probably end up getting your money. But when you've asked, you know, how do I comply with the law so I can uh, give you what you want and not have to pay penalties and interest and all the other garbage that comes along with your breath? And they can't answer you. They can't tell you because the tax code says all property is a cost, and that includes labor, and they can't deny it. So here we are at the end of that argument. They can't talk. That's a person that's much harder to indict because the picture, you know, uh, what happened with the Lloyd Long case, uh, the jury acquitted him because he didn't believe he had a duty. He'd proven that he went back and forth with the IRS at length and uh, for X number months or years, and the IRS never satisfied him with uh, proof that he had to do what they say, and so the grand jury acquitted him. And uh, thereafter, everybody got the transcripts in PDF format and emailed them to everybody in their real estate agent. Everybody had them. I've got him somewhere to show the dialogue between him and his attorney uh, on the stand. And everybody modeled what they do after uh, the Lloyd Long case and Bernice Kuglin. And uh, the victory, that those are close calls. Uh, their future was still under the... Uh, determination of a group of strangers in the jury. Whereas uh, I feel a victory is where no charges were brought in the first place. And when you can watch a grand jury not return an indictment or a grand jury proceeding shut down or a criminal investigation by the IRS shut down because you bring up the law, that's power. So uh, I've recently become involved to a degree in one person's case and a lesser degree in a couple of others on the civil side tax court. One is a state tax court matter that was taken into federal bankruptcy court. And uh, it's just, it's really depressing because uh, I'd be the worst attorney in the world for the fact that I consider every case to be personal. I really take it personal what government does to people. I don't know how really how lawyers shut it out and maintain a career over years where they're litigating against government because it's always profanely corrupt 
and one-sided. So uh, just looking at what the government does to people when they're after money, the law doesn't matter. They'll, they'll, they'll intentionally mischaracterize your argument so that it sounds like you're arguing what some tax protester argued when all you're saying is, excuse me, but Section 1 of the tax code doesn't mention anybody's citizenship. And the regulation under Section 1 says citizens of the United States owe this tax. It's just a regulation. And in the in the judge's order granting the government's motion for summary judgment, they'll say, well, he's saying for some reason that the since the regulation isn't written by Congress, it doesn't have the force of law. When they're looking right at the site of a bunch of cases that say regulations can't deviate from statute. That's what we're claiming. What what about this mystifies you, judge? Well, it's just that we need your money. There could be no other reason. We're after your money, and so we'll say whatever we have to to get it. Screw the law. Those are the rules, and so I don't do civil. And uh, it's a sewer every single time. There's nothing at the end of the rainbow. You will have to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. And uh, so don't even litigate unless you have the resolve and the resources and the ability to take it all the way to the Supreme Court. And uh, the Supreme Court gets between seven and 9,000 petitions every year. One to 2% of those make it past the clerks to the justices. What's 1% of 7,000? 70. And they, and they only choose to decide how few of those. So even if you choose to go all the way to the Supreme Court, uh, the odds are entirely against the court hearing your petition. And the lower courts know this, and it's tax law where there's a million places to hide. And so on appeal, they can simply say, well, we decide this way and that way and screw you. And by the way, this is an unpublished case. So no one else can cite it. What that does is it puts the judge totally behind a curtain They'll never be exposed for what they did to you because the Supreme Court won't hear it, and it's an unpublished case, so no one else can cite it. So it doesn't give anybody else an advantage. Uh, It doesn't give the government an advantage in the next case because they can't cite it, but it's what they do so that they don't have to give you justice. And uh, the strongest argument is a statutory argument. When it comes down to statutory interpretation, that's probably your best chance of reaching the Supreme Court. But you're still going to be up against a bunch of tax protester decisions where the law wasn't argued properly. And so they might glance at it and say, oh, this has already been decided. An example of that might be... um, your conduct was uh, you, let's see, your conduct was uh, you, let's see, I want to I really paint a great contrast 
where uh, your conduct is one thing that's obviously innocent, but they charge you under a statute that prohibits, like uh, you parked outside of somebody's house in a no-parking zone, and they charged you with criminal trespass on the private property of the homeowner. And you argue void for vagueness as you're traversed. First you say, I'm innocent. Here's the evidence. I was in the parking spot. And if you get past that, because we know how corrupt you are, void for vagueness. There's nothing in the law, this uh, criminal trespass statute, that would tell me in advance parking on the street is criminal trespass. And then they say, oh, void for vagueness has already been tried by this other guy. And they cite that case like you're wrong. Well, that guy happened to actually criminally trespass on somebody's land. And he raised the void for void, uh, void for vagueness argument in relation to his own conduct. And they say, well, the void for vagueness challenge has already been made. Well, that was made in relation to conduct that was obviously guilty conduct. The void for vagueness argument relates to your conduct, not just to the language of the law. It's your conduct juxtaposed or placed beside the language of the law. And they say, well, void for vagueness has already been tried. No, it hasn't. I'm arguing it in relation to conduct that's obviously innocent. That's one of the stunts they you'll encounter. They're that desperately perverted that, oh, it's already been tried. Yeah, in relation to conduct, it's obviously way different. And then they say unpublished case. So the Supreme Court knows it's not going to be used by anybody else. And it's to get the citizens' money so we can pass up hearing this case. See how, isn't that neat? That's American. That's American justice because every judge is as corrupt as the day is long. And you make a plain challenge. Statute, section number one, doesn't mention anybody's citizenship. And the regulation says citizens of the United States owe this tax wherever they reside. Nowhere in the statute does it say that. So that's a regulation that adds to the statute. U.S. versus Calamaro. You can't do that. That's a Supreme Court decision. And they'll look at that. Well, apparently he's claiming that the, the regulation, since it wasn't written by Congress, doesn't have the force of law. No, he's claiming that it does all the work. It implicates Americans in attacks, and the 16th Amendment says only Congress can do that, and so the regulation is null and void, both as a deviation from statute and as a violation of the 16th Amendment. Well, apparently he's claiming that he's a non-resident alien to Washington, D.C. They are that desperately perverted that for money, they'll do anything to you. So just to get a victory of any kind, you don't hear of anybody knocking it out of the park under the pen of the judge. It's always by the skin of their teeth. The jury found me not not willful. Hallelujah. And now I'm $50,000 in the hole to my attorney, or I got saddled with a public defender, had a close call, and my reputation is shot forever. I lost everything I own trying to defend against this. And that's the best you can get. Because 
our government is evil. Uh, the love of money is the root of all evil. And when it comes down to money, they'll always get your money, no matter how they look in the process. So when you can prevent an indictment, hallelujah, you just save that person how many thousands of dollars on legal bills or getting their affairs in order, putting stuff in storage to get ready for the prison term. You might have saved their marriage. So uh, it's pretty sad when those are the only victories you might get in the United States. So it's not a nation of laws, and it's because nobody understands the law. These WikiLeak emails coming out show Hillary saying she wants a, a an ignorant and compliant public. Well, why would you need that? Because I'm lawless as hell. And so I need to be able to, to convince everybody I obeyed the law and can't do that if they're not ignorant and compliant. Compliant means submissive. That's what that means. They have to be submissive. Submissive like who? Oh, like gays. Uh, Seattle's flooded with them. A bunch of wimps that'll never be men. And they're more concerned about their iPhone than uh, their parking tickets. They're made to be fleeced. That's what Hillary wants. Again, I have the luxury of working at home. And every day, it's uh, political news talk all day. And uh, great guests brought into these shows by their hosts. Uh, Sean Hannity always has great guests to come in and, uh, and describe the lay of the land, the political landscape. And uh, they're always astute about the law, maybe not well, well versed in the law, but the law they're discussing, they have insightful commentary. And uh, so every day, I'm listening to what's going on, and uh, uh, the tape that came out last weekend, uh, last Friday, of Donald Trump has dominated four days now, five days, out of the, uh, what is there, 27 days left till the election. There's a whole chunk where he wasn't campaigning against Hillary. He was playing defense. So, uh, the, there's wiki. Uh, WikiLeaks emails saying they got to have a uh, a campaign of stealing the signs put on lawns of the opposition and a whole bunch of Hillary signs put up everywhere. And if you see any cars with a Trump sticker, uh, try to deface the sticker, maybe even deface the car so that everybody knows if you put a, a Republican sticker on your car, you'll get have to get a new paint job. Isn't this neat? Uh, she stole the election from Bernie Sanders. The Democratic National Committee schemed with the Hillary campaign to make sure Bernie Sanders got nowhere. And so she's stealing everything she needs to become president. She's stealing the presidency. The mainstream media believes that it should influence the election. That's casting two votes. They can go vote. But before that, they're putting 
the opposition at a disadvantage. That's an additional vote. That's a conspiracy against your rights. That's a felony under 18 U.S.C. 241. If two or more persons conspire to threaten, injure, or oppress somebody in the exercise of their rights, 10 years in prison. And they're doing it right on the TV. Fraud by television, 18 U.S.C. 1343, 20 years in prison. The entire media can be arrested because you have the right to arrest a felon. And there's no one around to make the argument. And here I sit. I'm the only one asking the questions. Is that criminal? Is that criminal, what they're doing? Gee, that doesn't seem right. Is it criminal? And I'm the only one asking that. Nobody else can find their ass with both hands. When, uh, And that's the trouble with having attorneys that only do civil or attorneys that only do criminal. The ones that only do criminal don't see civil damages. The ones that only do civil don't see criminal misconduct. <laughs> so you have to have knowledge of both. You have to know what your rights are so you know when they're being infringed and you have to know when it's a crime if somebody does it. And it leads to questions like, is that criminal? Gosh, when you look at the at the criminal statutes and you find something, yeah, it's criminal. Look what they're doing here. They're trying to influence the election. They have a vote. That's the only way you're allowed to influence an election. Other than that, it's up to the two campaigns and the uh, ballistically... Uh, defamatory advertisement uh, that they come out with on TV. <gasps> look what Donald Trump did. And then he'll come out and go, Cricket Hillary, look at this. Great, that's can- that's politics, that's campaigning. But to have the, the entire media scheming saying, hey, don't release this tape of Donald Trump until three weeks before the election. And that comes after months and months of the mainstream media sandbagging the Republicans. There's something like 180 minutes uh, since the tape came out last Friday of Donald Trump. 180 minutes on the mainstream media about the tape and 13 minutes about uh, the WikiLeaks email uh, releases. Why would that be? Because they make Hillary look bad, so we aren't going to mention those. They're a bunch of felons. Democrats are felons on their best day. Uh, there's, if you went to the uh, uh, YouTube and did a search for, uh, what is it, uh, uh, primary uh, ballot box stuffing or primary voter fraud, there will be videos where people under surveillance in the polling place are putting hundreds of ballots into the box when no one is looking. Staffers. And those are Democrats. They feel perfectly entitled to steal. They, they, there's not an ounce of integrity among them. And, uh, 
And when you look at public servants, you see that's really the mold for public servants, Republican or Democrat. Uh, when it comes to prosecutors, judges, they they are all uh, impaired that way. So victory is measured in very small bites. And uh, it really does look like uh, Donald Trump is not going to make it. You know, and picture WikiLeaks out there, Julian Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy, um, in uh, Britain, uh, London, is it? And uh, he can't leave or he'll be arrested and taken to Sweden. And he's the one calling the shots on when the emails will be released. It's one thing to have them and to know what they say, but then to think, as a hacker, you know how best to play the election cycle with selective releases. If I were Julian Assange... I would have turned all those over to the Republican National uh, Committee and let them decide when to leak them, analyze them in advance, and do seminars about them on uh, video and release the videos when they feel it's most advantageous to sandbag Hillary instead of some hacker determining, oh, let's play with the election this way. I'm going to determine when they get released. Well, that's direct involvement in the election. It's not just hacking. And who is he to say, I know how to play politics? Look at how proficient Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Donna Brazil, and Hillary Clinton are at playing politics. It takes a long time. You don't grow up as a hacker and just assimilate the ability to manipulate politics. And here we are only less than four weeks out, and there's a whole bunch we haven't seen yet. When I think, really, uh, they should have all been turned over weeks ago, at least, uh, to real pros so they could sort through it and come out at the right time, according to somebody that knows what the right time is. So I'm kind of PO'd about that. So anyway, um, the WikiLeaks email is about the only chance that Trump has, and that's to make Hillary look bad because he keeps shooting himself in the foot by getting off of the issues and arguing about what Hillary says. So he's not discussing the issues. He's playing defense when it ought to all be offense. And uh, that's what the Democrats have to have can't talk issues or I'll lose the election because I don't have a platform. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not here to make the economy do better. I'm Hillary Clinton. And so she has to uh, distract everybody from what is really best for their future because she means to destroy it. And then you look at what judges do and what prosecutors do. It's an infection. It's a lack of integrity. Uh, willingness to abuse authority, no matter how much great Supreme Court case law you come up that says the prosecutor is always to pursue justice, not just a victory. Well, screw that. I can I can lie this guy into prison, threaten his wife with an indictment if he doesn't plead guilty. That's all they need. So in South Carolina... 
there's a motion to reopen the case that was filed because the judge closed the case with an order of dismissal saying, well, you didn't file an opposition to the magistrate's recommendation, so I'm going to dismiss it. Well, there was an opposition filed. Uh, correction, please. And so they're going to consider the opposition pleading and dismiss the lawsuit because the law doesn't matter. And thereafter, he'll file that amended lawsuit I was talking about last week uh, that narrows down the relief. You get victory in very small bites and narrow it down to where uh, he's only going to ask the court to rule that the government is, uh, their action is unconstitutional and it violates the law when they don't disclose the proper interpretation of the law. And we therefore ask that the court, after ruling that, that the uh, court compel the agency to turn over the proper interpretation of all the provisions that are listed in my in the two primary arguments that citizens of the United States are only implicated by the six uh, by Regulation 1.1-1, and that uh, all property is cost. Section 83 in that argument. So um, they said you're entitled to clear explanation of the laws, and they can't deny every one of those laws in that list in the lawsuit are relevant, governing, and determine whether or not what the IRS does is applicable to citizens of the United States and to those who only receive the fair market value of their services actually performed. Hey, Chris, question and answer. Okay, good time. Um, yeah, like always, I got to get off by 8, eight o'clock. Uh, but one question came up, uh, U.S. Calamaro, is that the one of 1957? I can't remember what year it was. Don't tell anybody. Okay, the... Um, I found one. It looks like it. It talks about the regulations. Yeah, and, and, the, and where where you'll find that is on the federal income taxation page of wevgov.com. There you go. So, yeah, if you just went there and did a search for C-A-L-A-M, uh, you'll come right to it. Okay. Now, here we have um, uh, John from Chicago. Go ahead, John. Uh, Chappie and Dave. Uh, got a question. Can you explain unpublished uh, cases? Help me to understand that. Yeah. Um, when you look up case law on scholar.google.com, for instance, every case that comes up is going to say, uh, uh, for instance, 124 Federal 2nd, 383. Uh, 124 Federal 3rd. 124 F sup, uh, 124 F period, uh, 124 S period, CT period. Those are all published cases. When you see a case that says uh, like 124 APPX, that's the appendix to the reporter. And that's where you'll find the unpublished cases. Hmm. And so it's, unpublished it's means it can't, it can't be used. It's a summary of the case, but not the actual case? It's not that. It's that 
uh, it's not suitable for publication. It isn't uh, uh, precedential. It isn't um, of note. And so they don't bother with it. And that's where you'll find courts bury decisions they not, they're not proud of. Is that the same as a sealed case? No. A sealed case is one where they don't want to talk about it and nobody should have access to it. An example of that might be uh, to keep the identity of rape victims a secret, uh, the identity of minors a secret, uh, particular rulings on evidence that the judge doesn't want people to have, certain covert things they might do. And so once they decide to seal it, you'll have to have an action. I filed an affidavit of prejudice once, uh, or actually, no, a, uh, a termination of uh, counsel. And uh, counsel asked that it be sealed. Well, why? Because he doesn't want anybody else knowing what the hell he did in that case. So that's an example of when they might seal something. Uh, it's typically not that, but uh, sealing the case just means they don't want people prying into it. And they might do that just as an excuse to conceal somebody's magnificent brief against the standard operating procedure. And so grand jury investigations as well. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Of okay. course, John. All right. Does anybody else have have any questions? Hit star eight on your telephone. Raise your hand. And or or those um, for those who are guests like eight eight nine. You're blocked from putting any chat in because uh, you're not recognized. Uh, we don't know who you are, and we've had some... Uh, uh, some Pete Hendrickson trolls. Or, uh, questionable people of, of no integrity, right? You know, just bother us. So I'm sorry for that. If you have a username, at least I can track to see who who you were or who you are through... Um, uh, talk to you and um and report so anyhow uh any, anybody have any questions that i might have missed i don't see any um in the chat go ahead and type it in or or hit star eight on the telephone and ask your questions Um, While we're at it, go to wevgov.com and go to the products page and uh, get your copy of Codebreaker, the Section 83 equation, the only source of information about tax code Section 83A that explains how to tax all compensation. And uh, I wrote that in 1994. I added 30 pages to it in 2014, published it, and the manual is available. Uh, it seems to me to be vital. It explains how to tax all your compensation, and the government doesn't even train on it. Something's wrong. Uh, right there, that ought to tip you off that uh, that's something you really ought to get. And I recommend, of course, the video flash drive. Seven video segments, three hours, 45 minutes total instruction. And uh, you'll see me do to the tax code what nobody else can do. I explained so many major components of the tax code at the root of the authority the IRS claims to have to show that the IRS is lying. Chris? 
Yeah, I have a question. Is there a way to see unpublished cases? Yeah. Um, just do a search for the case and make sure you put in APPX period or unpublished period. And also, um, unpublished cases show up on LexisNexis. All right. Thank you. Okay. Um, it doesn't appear we have any more questions. So, um, uh, okay, folks. Uh, well. There's a there's an archive archive of calls at five nine six one five here at no uh, here at Talkshoe five nine six one five no confidence, and uh, the show that Chris just posted to his archive here at eight seven four eight eight. Uh, we got some real favorable comments about it. So uh, check out the latest recording here on 87488 that we did last Saturday when Chris had the hurricane. I was here. Uh, I took his call from him. And uh, and stay tuned for the South Carolina results. Yeah, Take I'd care, like, everybody. I'd like to add one thing, uh, which has not nothing to do with, um, well, it has everything to do with what we've been talking about, but not so much in taxes. I was at a gun show. Um, you know, where I uh, sell my speed loaders. And it was uh, last weekend, uh, and I was right across, uh, my table was right across from a guy who's running for circuit court judge in two counties in Florida. And and he's a nice guy, you know, uh, a good old Southern uh, gentleman, and uh, and and we, we got to be... Uh, talking all weekend and everything and I and I came up to him and said you know you're running for circuit court judge and I have a question can can somebody is is all laws are governed by the constitution is, is that correct and he goes yes and I said the statutes have to be in harmony with with the uh, with the constitution I'm talking state constitution because he's a state judge. And he goes, yes. And he kept wanting to say, well, a Tenth Amendment, you know, and so forth. And I said, well, this is, you know, I'm, I'm asking you regarding state, you know, just state law and state constitution and all that. And I said, if, if the executive branch is acting outside of the Constitution and wanting you to do something, does that have force and effect of law? And he says, uh, well, can you rephrase the question? And I, I thought it was a pretty good question. But I said, well, in the statutes, and I think it's uh, Florida Statute 20.5 or somewhere around there, it says that, you know, it gives the definition of an uh, administrative agency. And the definition by statute is the governor exercising powers other than those derived from the Constitution. So if the power is not the gift of the people, can the executive branch enforce administrative agency rule upon the people? Well, well, I, I, uh, 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 <clears throat> I have to do some research. Why don't you email me what you're talking about? In other words, I ain't going to answer the question. So, 
you know, and the reason I'm bringing this up, see, these are simple-minded questions that once you get to understand the, you know, what they can and cannot do um, and what power is a gift of the people opposed to the power that they have in commerce is different. And um, without a large explanation, that's why I feel if people in communities start gathering together and start going to your local commissioner's uh, uh, meetings, uh, county commission meetings, city commission meetings, and so forth, and start framing questions regarding their, you know, the power they're exercising, you're going to find out they're going to back away, and you're going to start exerting power against them when they are backing away instead of you backing away. It doesn't matter how how much guns they have because um, of educated people going to a meeting will have force and effect. So um, I thought it was an interesting weekend. So with that being said, good night, everybody. This call is officially over, and God bless America. Good night. Good night.